Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. Well, Hope, I need to start us out in a place this morning that admittedly no man would ever want to get up in front of his congregation and, and, and have to talk through. Uh, but we find ourselves here. And uh, so we've got to take care of a little bit of family business here right out of the gate. And if you've been around Hope for any length of time, you maybe already know what it is we're going to talk through. If you are new to Hope, if you're visiting with us, if this is your first time here, I actually just want to offer you a sincere apology right out of the gate that this needs to be our front door. But I tell you, if, if you just give us five minutes here, we're going to work through something. Then we're going to jump into a message that I believe is actually going to allow every single one of us to leave here more strengthened and more encouraged. Uh, what I need to talk to us about, it is sensitive information, and uh, the details are very important. And so uh, I'm actually going to read for the first per- uh, for the, through the first portion here just to make sure that we get this right and that everything is clear. So I'm going to ask you to show me a little bit of grace here. Uh, so here we go. Hope. On February 2nd of this year, Mike Lee, our founding pastor here at Hope, he officially retired from Hope Community Church. At that time, we recorded videos of his announcement that we later shared with you as the church, and those videos clearly stated that Mike's retirement was due solely to burnout and exhaustion resulting from 40 years of ministry. Recently, the family chose to share details on social media that there was, in fact, an additional reason for his retirement. And it's important for you to note that at the time that we communicated to you about Mike's retirement, our elders, our leadership here at Hope did not know that anything else was going on. On March 23rd, after his retirement had been announced to the church, Mike confessed to the elders that his abrupt retirement back in February was not only driven by burnout and exhaustion as said in the video, but also due to personal struggles revolving around an adulterous relationship that occurred during his sabbatical. He demonstrated remorse and asked for forgiveness for that sin, as well as his deception to leadership and to the church. As he should have been, Mike was met with the same love and grace and forgiveness and mercy that he taught so many of us over the 26 years that he was our senior pastor and said clearly, you need to hear this, what Mike did was wrong. And he knows what he did was wrong and opposed the way that God calls us to live our lives in Scripture. At the same time, 1 John 1, 9, it tells us that if we confess our sins, that our God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Mike confessed his sins. And and while there will be difficult times for his family and for those of us who are close to the situation in the days ahead, God extends his grace, his love, and his mercy And so do we. You need to know that Hope's leadership was and is committed to walking alongside of Mike and Laura, as well as others who are impacted in this incredibly difficult process. You may wonder why we haven't addressed this publicly before now. And I do want you to know that over the last few months, leadership here at Hope, we've worked hard to provide the Lee family and others involved with the needed privacy to find healing and restoration. And we want to continue to do that. And we ask the same of you. 
At the same time, right now, we know that this has been made public, and we know that we need to address the situation, and so here we are. Hope, listen, um, I know there's shock. I know there's confusion. I know there's hurt. I know there's anger. I felt all of those emotions myself. But what you need to know is that while Mike Lee is probably one of the greatest Bible preachers the world has ever known, and he's a man that I care deeply for, at the same time, Mike is just a man, and this church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And the, the, the messages that Mike came up here and taught to us from Scripture, they were from God's Word, and the temptation would be to sit back and to think, man, are the truths that I heard, are they still valid for me in my life? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes. Any authority that any of us, myself included, have in the Christian church is based on the authority of God's word. Don't let the hurt, don't let the storms of of the frustration or the hurt in our lives shake our foundation. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about this weekend. I want you to know that if you have any questions, if there's questions you can't reconcile, if there's anything that you need from us, We want you to reach out to us. You can email us at questions at gethope.net. That will come directly to leadership. We'll do everything that we can do to answer the questions that you have, but all the while respecting the privacy of those involved. Now listen, Romans 3.23, it says this, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Mike Lee before this happened, now and in the days ahead. That's me before this happened to now, the days ahead. It's every single one of us. But at the same time, Scripture tells us, and we just sing about a God that can turn beauty from ashes. And so we are seeking God for full restoration for Mike, for his family, for their marriage, and for our days ahead as a church. And so we want to take a moment right now, and I'm just going to invite you in with us as we have a moment and pray together as Hope Community Church. Father, we come before you and admittedly, there's no real words for this situation. There's emotions, there's hopes. But we do want to lift up to you our brother Mike. And even in this moment right now, I pray that he would feel and sense uh, your love, your mercy, your grace. And in so much that, that he has found repentance, Lord, I pray that, he, that you would meet him there in that moment, that there would be no shame, there would be no guilt, there would be no condemnation. Conviction, yes. Condemnation, no. Lord, would he experience your grace. Father, we want to pray for Laura, who is no doubt in one of the most difficult moments that she has ever sat in in her life. And we pray for peace, and we pray, we pray for strength, we pray for direction. Father, we want to pray for healing and for full restoration for their marriage and for everyone else who finds themselves involved in this situation. God, I want to pray for bondage to be broken. If there is any bondage in this situation, in Jesus' name, we want to pray that bonds would be broken and that chains would be broken and would would fall to the ground and freedom would be found in Christ. And Lord, we want to pray for hope. Your church, Jesus. We want to pray that we would not lose sight of you as our foundation. You would continue to go before us as you have for decades and really as you have for your church for thousands and thousands of years. Would you continue to go before us and would you cause us to be faithful and to follow you closely for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right. This has been an incredibly difficult 18 months. 
And a lot of times when you're coming up here to talk in front of people, to give a message, you kind of got to find a catchy intro or something, tell a story to try to get everybody to the same place. But I just, I'm just going to say that statement one more time, and I think it's going to bring us all together. But I want, to, I, want you to, I want you to give yourself permission to actually go there for a moment because it's important based on where we're going. I'm going to say it again. This has been an incredibly difficult 18 months. And for some of us, it's been an incredibly difficult 18 hours, 18 days. And so whether you're talking about the last 18 months or the last 18 days, or whether you're talking about when Dwayne Calvin was here last weekend and about preached the paint off the walls and reminded us about Jesus as our healer, and we all came up front and we wrote down things on cards that we need healing, that we're trusting Jesus for healing, and we wrote those, we left them at all of our campuses, and people submitted them online through GetHope.tv. And as we were reading those this past week as a staff and praying over them, we thought, Goodness gracious, we are in the midst of difficult times. And I know right now as a church, we're in the middle of this series called Identity Crisis. But sometimes it's important when you get in these difficult times just to pump the brakes, to stop, and to recognize where we are. And here's why. Because in difficult times, it can lead to discouragement. And discouragement left unchecked can lead to destruction. And I'm going to say that again, and it's important to grab a hold of that for where we're going. But in difficult times, it can lead to discouragement. And discouragement left unchecked can lead to destruction. And we've seen it. But if you think about it, it doesn't work the other way, right? You never hear anyone say, I'm so encouraged right now in my marriage. Things are going so great. We're, yeah, we're just going to get a divorce. We're going to quit while we're ahead. You know, we think if we can just be friends coming out of this thing, it'll be great. It doesn't happen. You don't hear people say, man, I'm so encouraged with how my classes are going right now. Everything's going good. I'm just going to drop by to school. Uh, you don't hear, at my age, I'm around a lot of families with kids. You don't hear people say, I'm so encouraged right now by how well my kids are behaving. Well, that's it. You just don't hear that. You don't hear, <laughs> you don't hear that, period. <clears throat> you don't. You don't say, I'm so encouraged with my kids. I just can't wait to get them out of the house. And it, it's because it goes the other way. Difficult times lead to discouragement. And then discouragement leads to destruction, to bad decisions, to bad outcomes. And the hard part about this is we don't choose difficult times. And we actually can't prevent difficult times from coming. I heard one pastor say it this way. Everybody talks about choose your battles wisely, choose your battles, choose your battles. But what do you do when the battle chooses you? And I think if we're honest, a lot of us right now, we're probably sitting in seats or we're watching online and we're in a battle right now that many of us didn't choose. None of us would have chose 2020. In fact, Jesus tells us in this life, you will face troubles. And so we can't stop difficulties. But what we can do is we can establish some principles in our life that if we apply them to our lives, we can set ourselves up on a foundation that when the storms come and when the winds come and the rains rise, that we can stand on a firm foundation and experience resiliency. And that's what I want to talk to us about this weekend is this word resiliency. And you might think, okay, well, what does that word really mean? I'll give you a definition in a moment. But I want us to hold it in opposition to discouragement. Okay, discouragement can lead to destruction if left unchecked, but resiliency can actually lead us to coming out better on the other side. There's this bounce back factor. In 2020, when COVID hit and everybody got, you know, sent home in isolation, I had our staff, we did a word study on this word resiliency. And the definition that we came away from was this, not just acceptance of a situation, but rather an expectation, an expectation to persevere through with steadiness 
to come out better on the other side. Okay, resiliency is this expectation that, yes, when the storm comes, I expect it. When the storm comes, I'm going to persevere with steadiness and I'm going to come out better on the other side. And so uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to right out of the gate, I'm going to give you three principles for resiliency in the midst of a storm. I mean, I'm going to give them to you now before we even jump into the text. That way it'll be easier for you to follow along. So if you want to jot these down, you can. Uh, Three keys for resiliency in the middle of a storm. The first, we have to stay close to God. That's going to give us a spiritual strength to be able to navigate the things that are going on around us. We have to stay close to God. The second, we have to stay calm, which in today's age, in today's times, is a minor miracle in and of itself. We've got to be able to stay calm. That's our emotional health. And the third is we need to stay connected as a church. You need people in your life who will walk alongside of you to put their arm around you and say, let's not forget, we need to be moving back and closer and growing stronger in our relationship with God. And we're here to help you. We got to stay connected. All right. So to cover these, we're going to jump into 2 Timothy. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy. If you don't have it, we'll have the verses up on the side screens. No big deal. If you're watching online, you'll have the verses right there at the bottom of your screen. If you don't know anything about 2 Timothy, it's written by a guy named Paul to a guy named Timothy. Paul was, um, at this point in his life and career, he would be what we would call a seasoned veteran. All right. Um, He had endured hardship in life for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of ministry. This guy had been shipwrecked. He'd been beaten. He'd be thrown in, in jail. He'd been thrown in prison. And here he is. He's trying to finish strong. But he's writing this letter to this younger guy, Timothy. He's like his protege. And this is a guy who he's walked through some difficult times with Timothy already. But he knows Timothy is in some difficult times now. And all the more he knows if you're going to keep following Jesus, if you're going to keep doing this thing, You are going to face tougher times ahead. And so I'm going to share these things with you because I want you to be able to experience resiliency and a firm foundation in the midst of the storms that are going on around you. Okay? So here we go. We're going to jump in. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul says, An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with, with a, who I serve with a clear conscience the way that my forefathers did. Some translations might read ancestors. And I constantly remember you in prayers day and night. Longing to see you even as I recall your tears. See, he's gone through some hard times with them before with your tears so that I may be filled with joy. This text here, these first few verses, it doesn't actually talk through the principles that we're going to unpack, but it's an incredibly important uh, place to start in because what it does is it, it sets the stage for who you hear this from. And so you see a guy in Paul, he says, I thank God every time I remember you in my prayers. And I want to highlight really quickly that as we jump through this text, Hope, you need to know this, and I tell you this as a brother, but in representation of our elders and our leadership and our staff here at Hope, you have a church leadership that feels this way about you, that loves you, that knows we're in a difficult time, that cares about you. Some of our favorite moments at staff meeting during the week and then when our elders get together uh, monthly is to actually talk through things that are going on in the life of the congregation and to come together and lift those things up. And so I just want you to know that you have a church that loves you and that cares for you. The second thing I want to point out is if you have someone in your life that you care this way about, 
Reach out to him and let him know. This is a crazy day. And I'll just tell you, this has been, uh, a, to say the least, an interesting last three months for me in my life. And I'll tell you, the text messages, the phone calls, the emails, that just say, hey, I just want to let you know we're praying. We're here. They mean the world. You never, do not underestimate how much value that can bring to somebody. Let them know. And so I want you to hear this message as Paul intended it to Timothy uh, from someone who loves you, from someone who's gone through some trials, and from someone who, who desperately wants you to have a firm foundation under you when the storms come. All right? Here we go. Verse 5, moving along. First principle. First principle here as it relates to having a foundation, uh, to having resiliency in the midst of a storm. Stay close to God. Paul says, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you. Right out of the gate. I'm reminded of your faith. You're going to experience difficult times. Let's talk about your faith. Which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois. And in your mother Eunice, for I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh, to stoke alive the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He's just saying, when I affirmed the faith that is inside you. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Paul saying to him, listen, Timothy, difficult times are coming and you've got this faith inside of you. And I'm telling you right now, you need to kindle afresh this fire. He moves along to, to chapter two, verse one. He says, you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's telling right out of the gate, everything has to do with your relationship with Jesus. It's why our mission statement here as a church, we want to love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ because we know without that foundation in our relationship with Jesus, we don't have a shot. And this isn't just Paul, right? I mean, Jesus says the same thing if you go, you don't have to turn there, but if you go to John chapter 15, Jesus says this in verse verse 4. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying, if you get too far away from me, You can do no good thing in your life. And just like if you were to take a branch and to cut it off a tree or to cut it off a vine and throw it over on the ground and say, I hope this thing grows. I hope it produces fruit. It's not going to happen. It's the same way in our lives. And that's just in everyday stuff. If we just want to produce good fruit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those things, much less in the midst of a storm. And so Paul is saying you have got to kindle afresh to remain strong in your relationship with Jesus. And so you say, okay, Jason, I'm down with that. I understand. Um, what are some ways that I can do that? What does it mean to abide in Christ? I'm going to give you two things. Anytime someone comes to me and says, hey, I don't know if my relationship with Jesus is what it needs to be, I immediately, I'm going to say, let's talk about two things. Tell me, how, tell me about your prayer life and tell me about your time in Scripture. And we don't have a whole lot of time to unpack these, so I'm just going to say a few things really quickly about each one. Uh, the first, your prayer life. I know prayer can be intimidating. Uh, you can think, man, am I really supposed to go before the God of the universe that created anything and just start talking to him? Yes. 
You are. And, and you go before him like a loving father. And for some of us, you, you might have not had a great relationship with your father. It's not the same this way with our God. And so we go before him and you might think, am I supposed to listen to him? Am I going to hear something audible from him? I don't know. If you do, it would probably scare, it would scare me. I've never heard audibly from him, but you are listening. But let me tell you this about your prayer life. Most of the time, this is where we get this wrong. We go before God and our prayers sound like this. God, I want, I need, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And what I'm learning in my years as they slowly elevate <laughs> is that it's more, it's more valuable to spend less time asking God for things for me and instead asking God what it is that he wants for us. If you want to abide in Jesus, spend time in your prayer life saying, God, what is it that you have for me? How would you have me respond? What should be my perspective? Lord, give me your strength. And I think you'll see some changes. The second, um, spending time in Scripture. I know the Bible can seem intimidating. You don't have training. Some people think, well, I don't have training. I don't know how to read the Bible. This is not as hard to read as you might have been led to read. And if you don't know, I would say just pick up a Bible, turn to the book of John. I just read a section out of it a moment ago. Start in chapter 1 and just read through. I think you're going to find some benefit. But if you don't know where else to start, we have here, you probably heard it in Unscripted at the beginning of the service, we have something here at Hope. It's called a growth track. It's a 101, a 201, a 301. We actually have a 30-day devotional, a 30-day grow devotional, which will help you put spiritual disciplines in place in your life to grow in your relationship with Jesus. If you want information on that, you just drop us an email, grow at gethope.net. But let us help you. Gary Vett, a guy here on staff, uh, he said this to us before in staff meeting. You show me a man who is constant in prayer and has a firm grasp on the scriptures, and I'll show you a man who stands on a firm foundation. If you want to remain resilient in the midst of a storm, you've got to stay close to God. Second principle, if you want to remain resilient in a storm, you've got to stay calm. Isn't it funny that when someone's getting animated and worked up, it doesn't necessarily calm them down to yell, calm down in their face? You ever try to do that? I, I coach youth football a few weeks ago. We were, we were 3-0 and and we're playing another team a few weeks ago. And we're playing a team that we actually, I thought we probably should have beaten, as did our team. If you're watching online, there are actually some crosstown rivals. Sorry, um, you ended up winning. Congratulations. Uh, but we were in the third quarter and uh, the second half, and I just got all the kids in. I called timeout. I said, what is wrong? You're acting like you are losing your minds. Why don't you go out and play football? You've acted like you've never stepped foot on a football field before. Why don't you calm down? And <laughs> I realized, hey, Jay, you're... Maybe you're not calm. <laughs> Maybe they're just following your lead. Listen to what Timothy, uh, Paul says to Timothy here, chapter 4, verse 5. He says, but you be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And I know, look, I know this is hope. I know I just la left half of you, because, lost half of you, because I said be sober in all things. I know this is 2020. You guys are like, I put my kids to bed, and I'm having that glass of wine. I don't care. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what Paul's talking about to Timothy. It actually says in chapter, uh, in 1 Timothy, he says, Timothy, you actually should have a little bit of wine. It'll be good for your stomach. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is we need to be sober-minded. 
It says, you need to use self-restraint. I love how the NIV says it. It says, you need to keep your head in all situations. We've got to keep our head. And so you might ask, well, why is he telling Timothy that he's got to keep his head? And so to see that, you've got to go back to chapter 3. But I wanted to set this up, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you. I'm just going to read you a few verses as it kicks off. But as I read this to you, I want you to ask yourself, do I see this around me in my day-to-day life now? Just ask yourself that question, and do we see the implications of this lived out? Chapter 3, verse 1, Paul to Timothy. But realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. We just talked about that. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. Never happens. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And listen to this one. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such Men. Difficult times will come as a result. You think we're there? And so what happens is we find ourselves as a result, truthfully, of of many of us living out some of the things that I just read. We find ourselves in difficult times. And so I just want to ask you, what is that thing for you in your life? Because what's going to happen is things are going to happen around you. Difficult times are going to come. Stores are going to come. And you're going to feel like the very fabric of life that has surrounded you, life as you know it, is going to be ripped away from you. And so I want to ask you just what is that thing for you in your life right now? And and I want you just to capture it because it's going to be helpful for where we're going here in a second. But what is that thing that tightens up your chest when you really allow it to settle in? And Paul says, you've got to keep your head. You've got to be sober-minded. You've got to stay calm because we've got to endure this. And to endure it, we've got to take a deep breath. And you might say, well, wait a minute. Don't I need to fight? I mean, when difficult times come, don't I need to, like, toughen up? And don't I need to fight through this thing? Well, we just sing a song that says, when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. But our temptation is we think we need to fight. And so we actually think of verses like Joshua 1.9 that says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? And we forget that that verse finishes out by saying, Do not be terrified nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so we're to be strong and courageous, but our strength actually has very little to do with us. Our courage has very little to do with us, and it has everything to do with God. And sometimes, listen, sometimes one of the most strong and courageous things that we can do in our life is to sit down and to do as Psalm 4610 says, and be still and know that he is God. And I'm going to make this really practical for us here. The world around us moves too fast. 
And I hope even me saying that gives you permission to find a little bit of peace. But, but the world around us moves too fast. And you might think, well, wait a minute. Don't I need to keep up with the world around me? Don't I? I don't know that you do. I don't know that you do. Here's what I know. If you do, you're probably going to be more prone to difficult times. Difficult times are going to lead to discouragement. And discouragement left unchecked will lead to destruction. The world around us moves too fast. And then COVID hits. And so then we're working from home. And so it never stops. And then our kids are at home. And now we're teachers. <laughs> and it never stops. You know, I have some of my, my best friends in the world that are, are some of the most godly parents, the most godly people. They stay close to God. They, they do their best to stay calm. And they stay connected to the church. This last 18 months has wrecked havoc for them in their lives as parents and in their marriage. We've got to find a way to stay calm. And then in the midst of that, it, it was the angriest political and election season that any of us can ever remember. You've got hurt and confusion and anger around social injustice. You know, um, behavioral scientists tell us that we have no idea the repercussions or what's going to come out of the last 18 months on our lives. No idea. We have got to find a way to do as Paul says, to be sober-minded, to take a deep breath, to remain calm. I'm going to say one more thing about this before I move on. If you're a leader and you want people to follow you, if you need people to follow you, if you're a parent and you want your children to follow you, you have to remain steady. You have to remain steady. In the world around us right now where things are going absolutely bananas, you stay steady for five minutes and see if somebody's not watching you. Saying, okay, where are they going? Parents, leaders, we gotta stay steady. If we wanna remain resilient, we've gotta stay calm. Lastly, we've gotta stay connected to the church. Now, when I say we gotta stay connected to the church, I'm not talking about we need to stay connected to a building. All right, I'm certainly not saying we need to stay connected to a person. And this might surprise you being a, a, a pastor of a large church, uh, and which I don't necessarily think of myself that way. I think of myself as just a guy who wants to use talents, abilities, gifts, resources that God's given to me to, to serve our community. But I'm not saying, I think it's actually possible that I don't even mean you need to be connected to a church the way that we look at church or think about church in the Western Hemisphere. I love hope. I think hope is a great church. I think we balance grace and truth as well as any church that's ever lived. I think God has given his hand of blessing on this church and we're changing the community. And that's why I'm here. It's why our family is here. But that's not what I mean. I hope you will stay connected to hope. What I'm saying is, if you want to remain resilient, you need to be connected to a group of people who love Jesus or following Jesus and are going to continue to encourage you to go in that direction. You have to. Staying connected to the church. Here's what it does. It provides you with relational stability that's needed to maintain resiliency. Staying connected to the church. There's something to the power of relationships. And it provides you with the relational stability that you need 
to maintain resiliency. You see it in Scripture. I think it's Genesis 2, verse 18. Right out of the gate, you're two chapters in, and God's already saying, it is not good for man to be alone. And that's not just because men do stupid stuff when they're by themselves. They do, but that's not what God meant. It actually said in Genesis chapter 1, God says, let us make man in our image. Let us. That's God, the, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that's forever existed in eternity past, has forever existed in this perfect relational unity, saying, let us make man like that. And then as men and as women, we go through life as if we're supposed to do things on our own, and it doesn't work. You see it right here in 2 Timothy. Uh, you see Paul referencing in chapter 1, verse 8, Paul saying to Timothy, join with me. Chapter 2, verse 3, he says, suffer hardship with me. And then he goes on in chapter 4, verse 9. And this is right after Paul has basically said, listen, I've been going after this thing for a long time. You can hear it. When you read it out loud, you can literally hear and feel. He's saying, man, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to remain resilient, but I am getting close to the end. And I'm looking forward to my, to my prize at the end, but I'm getting tired. This is what he says in verse 9. Timothy, make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, he's deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. You ever had that happen? Just somebody just say, you know what, I'm out. I'm going to chase after something else. Cresans has gone to Galatia, and these are, might even be for good reasons, Titus to Domitia. But he says, only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in service. And as I read through this, as I was just meditating on it this week, for the first time that jumped out to me in a way that it hasn't before. And I thought, I hear you, Paul. I get it. And um, I mentioned to you the last three months of, of, you know, some things we've been going through around here obviously have been difficult. Obviously, 18 months prior to that. What many of you don't know, um, I had a rough two years personally <laughs> getting up to 2020. Um, and I don't have time to get into all this. Maybe one day I'll have time to get up and share a little bit more about my story. But in 2018, um, just before Christmas, um, I lost someone very dear to me in my life that was unexpected. It was abrupt. Um, in my opinion, far too early. Um, that brought with it some other responsibilities, some caretaking of some other family members that we weren't expecting. We also experienced some other things throughout the following year uh, with some other family members. And I'm telling you, you know, I've had people come to me that say, man, the last three years, you have really remained steady. And I know I can come across, I'm a little bit of a, a bigger guy. I can come across as a high energy guy. And people say, man, how in the world do you stay steady? I want you to hear me say something. If it were not for the people in my life, many of whom are in this room right now, Many of whom are on staff at this church. Some of them used to be on staff at this church, and you know who you are. But if it weren't for those people in my life, there is no way that I would be standing where I am right now. And I'm so thankful to God that I was connected to a church. Listen, if you don't have people in your life that you live life with, I, and I want to say you're missing out, okay? And that's not enough. Um, 
If you don't have people in your life that you are really living life with, difficult times will come. You will face trials. And those can lead to discouragement. And that discouragement can lead, will lead to destruction if left unchecked. You have to have people in your life. And I want you to hear me say this very, very clearly. Um, Many of us, we just don't like to be lonely. And so we want people around us. And so some of us have people in our lives that we're just around all the time. And so people just assume we're not really lonely, that we don't really still have hurts. And here's why that is, because while we have people around us, we actually don't let people know that we need help. And we don't tell people that we need help. And we don't want this perception that we need help from other people. Or actually, when we're close to people, we're not willing. Listen, uh, we're not vulnerable. We're not open. We're not honest. And it could be for any number of reasons. Maybe you've been let down before. I don't know. Maybe it's pride. I don't know what it is. But we don't open up. And then we get discouraged. And we know where it leads. You have got to be open and honest. This has got to be a safe place within the church to come to share your deepest, darkest fears. And you're going to be loved and experience grace. But you've got to be connected. We have small groups here at Hope that can help you with that. We have ministry teams. You don't want to go to somebody's house. I get it. Go to a bunch of people's house. I don't know. That's fine. You can come here. You can meet with some people on a ministry team and our, our staff and our leaders. They help you build relationships with people. Before you know it, you're sharing what's going on in your life. You've got people that have got your back like never before. If you want to be resilient in difficult times, you've got to stay connected to the church. We've got to stay close to God. That's where our spiritual strength comes from. We've got to stay calm. That's our emotional health. And we've got to stay connected to the church. Let us help you. Okay? I told you this at the beginning. I didn't have a desire to come up here and talk to you for 30-some minutes just because somebody had to give a message. That's not what we do here. We want to help. If you need help staying close to God, let us help you. Let's get on this growth track. Drop us an email, grow at gethope.net, and we will get you this 30-day devotional. Or you can tell your campus pastor, I just want to grow. We would love to walk alongside of you. If you're having trouble staying calm, you know if your emotional health is out of whack. Um, As a staff this year, we said we're going to focus on our emotional and spiritual health, maybe like never before. Came across a resource. It's a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's by a guy by the name of Pete Scazzaro. Um, a number of us on staff read the book. Um, some of us know, know Pete relatively well. But then uh, a few of us, we actually went through an emotionally healthy discipleship course. And I'm telling you, it has changed my life. You just realize that just about everything that you do is out of, I read this, and so I have to go do it. And it's out of performance, and it's out of obligation. And we miss the fact that we're not slowing down enough and actually sitting in and resting in God's love and grace and mercy. I, in the years that we've had over the last 18 to 24 months, I would say every person who calls Hope Community Church home should read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in fact, if you don't have the money to buy it and you want it, we'll buy it for you. And I hope that all of you do want to read it. Um, If you have the resources to buy it for yourself, I hope you do. I don't want to buy 15,000 copies of it. (laughs) I will. Maybe. We'd have to talk about it. Man, just read, read the book. Read the book. Someone asked on the online chat last night if it's good for a Bible study. Yes, there's a companion guide for it. And then lastly, let us help you get connected. Let's get you in a small group. Let's get you in a church. But the hardest time to work on your foundation, know this, the hardest time to ever work on your foundation is in the middle of a storm. 
You got to take the steps now. We got to take the steps now. Let us help you. Before we close, I want to let you in on a little secret. Anytime someone gets up here, uh, a pastor, uh, a teacher, and they share with you um, more than like two, three, four things. Now, listen, by design, I don't teach here a whole lot. So I can tell you the secret. The other guys that teach regularly, they're probably going to be mad at me about this. But when they give you like four or five principles, what they don't want you to know is like three, four, and five. That's really just us trying to make it look like we're earning our paycheck. Okay. Really the most important things you can probably be found in the first or second point. And so if you just grab a hold of this first thing, I'm telling you, that's what you need. Everything starts with staying close to God, our prayer life and scripture. You don't have a chance to stay calm without that. But more than that, if you have never began a relationship with God through Jesus, none of this stuff works. None of this stuff matters. And so I'm going to share something with you that might seem like it's out of nowhere, but I believe that there might be one person in this room, there might be one person across our campuses or online that need to hear this. You need to know that the brokenness that you feel in your life, it is a result of this thing called sin your sin, the sins of others around you. And so that sin, it actually separates you from God. And so this whole staying close to God thing, we actually can't do it. But God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus down to this earth to live the perfect life that you could not live. And he lived it. And then at the end of his life, he took the penalty and the punishment that you and that I deserved to take. And he died a brutal death on a cross. But he didn't just die. He died and they put him in a tomb. And three days later, he rose again, overcoming sin and death once and for all. So as to say that if we look to him and call him our Lord and Savior, our relationship with God would be restored because he paid the price for what it is that separates from us in our relationship with them. And I want you to hear that. And that could seem like out of left field. Man, we just gave this message and now the gospel's coming in. But I don't want to stand up here and act like I have three principles to amount to anything without a foundation of Jesus. And so I'm just going to give you a moment and I'm going to pray a prayer and there's no magic in the prayer. It's actually in the acknowledgement of who Jesus is and what he's done. And if that's you, we're just going to close our eyes. I'm not going to make you raise your hands. I'm not going to make you come down. I'm not going to make you do anything. We're just all going to close our eyes and I'm going to pray a prayer. And if that's you, I just want you to pray this with me. God, I know the world is broken and I know that I'm broken. I understand that I'm a sinner And I understand that that sin separates me from you. But God, I know I need you. And so I recognize that you sent your son down to this earth. I recognize that he lived the life that I never could have lived. And that he paid the price for my sins through his death on the cross. And that he rose again three days later, overcoming sin and death once and for all. I call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. God, restore my relationship to you. And help me in the days ahead. Help me to stay close. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, that's the best decision you could have ever made in your entire life. I want you to tell somebody. If you're online, I want you you to let someone know in the chat. I want you to tell your campus pastor here. You'll see Dwayne up here later. Let somebody know. Let us know so that we can come alongside of you and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Listen, it's been a crazy 
and difficult last 18 months. One thing that's interesting, I've heard a lot of people talk about, we need to reopen the church, we need to reopen the church, we need to reopen the church. I'm convinced that a large part of this is not just that we need to reopen the church, but we might need to reimagine and rethink and rebuild and regrow God's church in a way that might be greater than anything we've ever imagined, in a way that's going to impact lives in our communities like never before. And I believe that's our future here at home. But as Paul says to Timothy, we got to stay close to God, we got to stay calm, and we got to stay connected. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.